really big welcome to our Sunday night's services have been a little different in, um, in, in January. We've been looking at a book called The Wisdom Pyramid by Brett McCracken, and uh, it's all about how to live wisely in a digital age. And um, it's kind of taken from the food pyramid. Um, you know, there's some food that we should be eating lots of every day, and there's some foods, you know, like the donuts that we shouldn't be eating lots of every day. And Brett McCracken's saying to live wisely, we kind of need a pyramid like this as well. But quite often, some of the stuff that's not that good for us creeps into the bottom of the, peri uh, of the pyramid. So the bottom of the pyramid, um, Hamish kicked us off uh, the first week talking about um, we are what we eat. You know, what we consume is actually really important. And we should think about what we're eating. And he was saying that we eat in this digital age of where we get our information from, that we can eat too much, that we can eat too fast, and that it can be too me-centered. It's all geared towards what I like. So there's things for me. And then Paul, Sam, and Megan talked about the Bible being this foundational part of living wisely. The Bible is truth. The Bible is life. And if we don't consume enough of it, we don't know how to live. So it's really important that that is a big part of our lives. And consuming the Bible is really, really important to live wisely. And then Jeff and Dan uh, last week talked about another layer of this pyramid, not as important as the word of God, but still very important about nature, the importance of being out in nature, enjoying God in nature, and learning so many wonderful things through good books, um, which is really important source of wisdom. So that's what we've been doing. And really, we've been talking about uh, living wisely doesn't mean we throw away our phones. We don't say all digital things are bad. No, they've opened up so many wonderful things. It's not about that. But it's about putting it in its proper place and thinking about what we're thinking about. So, tonight, we are looking at something on the pyramid that is not really at the bottom, it's, it's in the middle, really, so we shouldn't be consuming loads of it. It's not the most important, but it is an important one. And tonight, we're going to talk about the subject of beauty. Now, uh, these lovely young people are going to helping, helping us in our discussions tonight and our thoughts around this subject. When I asked them to help me, they said, oh, I, it's not about hairstyles and makeup and things like that is it I said no and they were like oh yes that's really cringy we really don't want to do that um, so we're not going to be talking about that and we're not just going to be talking about arty things so if you're not an arty person do not worry we will be talking about some arty things but we're talking about beauty so beauty what is it Hamish um, I'm gonna uh, get to come up in one second but just before just before I want to just show you some stats because Instagram can be a real source of beauty, can't it? Beautiful photographs, beautiful people. Um, Instagram isn't, isn't a bad thing. But when, if all of our beauty was, was consumed on Instagram, it wouldn't really help us because there is too much of it and it is too fast and it is very me-centered. And what it can do, it can lead to comparison. And lots of, lots of people, and I don't think it's just young people, I don't think it's just young people, though it does affect young people, we compare ourselves to the real on somebody else's Instagram page. And just some stats that I 
I um, listened to uh, at a youth conference just last week. Um, we are a lot more aware of this, but it's, we are still pray. We are still um, pray to this, really. So, 60% of teen girls and 40% of teen boys on Instagram experience negative social comparison. And then Instagram and body image statistics show that 37% of teen girls said that they feel pressure to look perfect in their posts. One third of teen girls say that the content they see makes them feel worse about themselves. And among teens who reported suicidal ideation, 13% of British users trace those thoughts to Instagram and 25% of the teens who reported feeling not good enough said the feeling started on Instagram. So if that was our only source of what is beauty, that wouldn't be a good diet to consume. So it's worth thinking about, but we're not going to be looking at that. Um, so Hamish, can you come and do something a little bit interactive with us? <laughs> to show that we're not against um, the digital age, um, we're going to try something digital tonight. So if you've got a mobile phone with you, take it out. Now, Paul, this is something Paul, a little bit new to me. Oh, sorry, Matt. Oh, no, Paul. <laughs> Thank this you. is something which is a little bit new to me. You can point your camera at the screen, so something's going to come up in the screen, and we're going to just do a sort of brainstorm of what you find beautiful, okay? So it's just a, a, a brainstorm, but it will come up. If Matt puts it up now, hopefully it comes through. You can point your camera from your phone, and because of the QR code, it should take you straight through to the site, okay? I'm not very technical technical, but it worked for me the other day. Um, if, if you can't, you can just go to the website, which is slido.com, and you just put in hashtag beauty. Okay. Oh, sorry, can we have the, the other slide, if that's possible? My, my mistake. All right. We might use the second slide. It's the first slide. I want you to be thinking, what do you find beautiful? So just think, it could be sunsets, it could be music. So that's what I want you to type in, and we'll just see what some people's answers in. So Point, point your phones at the QR code, hopefully it picks it up, <laughs> or if not, go to slido.com. Soon as you, that's it, oh look, sunsets and music are already hey. up there. <laughs> so, keep on, we see how many people oh. take part in it. We've had, we've had seven people take part in it. My children, trees, Ed drumming, that's good. I don't see Matt Fish up there yet. He, he did say he was going to put his own name in. So, trees, music. Right. Hamish, am I, am I up there? Oh, oh hey, thank you. Now, I thought this was a great tool to get a little bit of engagement. So, as we can see there, lots of people see beauty in nature, in the sea, trees and sunsets. We'll leave it at that, okay? Just because Rachel told me I don't, can't be up here for too long. But the interesting thing, when you think of a sunset, and sunset is up there quite a, a lot of times, it's not the biggest one, I love looking at a sunset, but how often do I really enjoy that moment? And this is where we want to go on to the next slide, because I remember walking my dog in the park once, and Jeff walking his dog in the park, and he shouted at me, he said, enjoy the moment. And it was because I was walking along, looking at my phone <laughs> at the time, and he, he shouted at me, enjoy the moment. And I thought, I, I am enjoying the moment, but I'm only in Astor Park, I'm not out on a beautiful beach. Um, nothing, <laughs> is, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Astor Park. Anyway, so on this next, next slide, if you 
I don't know, I think you might need this, a different QR code, but it might be the same code. When it comes up, this is just a poll. When you are enjoying something, whether it's music, sunsets, out in nature, what disturbs you when it comes down to your phone? Because I found this very interesting when I thought about this. Sometimes you don't enjoy the moment because you are interrupted by things. So is it taking photos? Is it a text or a WhatsApp, WhatsApp coming through? Is it social media like Instagram? Is it the good old-fashioned ring, ring, someone's phoning you? Or is it email? So, it's, uh, ah. all right. But <laughs> the thing is, for us to enjoy beauty, we sometimes have to stop and enjoy beauty. And actually, we don't get a chance to do that if we're always being interrupted. And that's just, just a very quick survey from the 38 people who have taken part. But actually, social media, taking photos are high, but also text messages and WhatsApp messages binging through. So maybe we need to turn our notifications off. Anyway, I'll hand back to Rachel. <laughs> okay. So, we can often find different things beautiful, but we are going to look at some uh, ways that um, beauty uh, is, is in the Bible. So, we're going to go right from the beginning. So, if you could put up the... We've got a PowerPoint that will help me stay where we're going. So... It all starts with God, and it all finishes with God. So in Genesis 1, we see that God created mankind in his own image. We see the creation story in Genesis. We see that God is the ultimate creator, and he created this beautiful earth for us to enjoy. And we see that God enjoyed looking at the beautiful earth. And I bet he wasn't getting texts. He just sat back and he said it was good. And when he made mankind, it was very good. So God created it. God created us. He's the creative God. But he also enjoyed his creation. So that's where we're going to go tonight, really. Um, and in chapter 2, it says, on the seventh day, he rested. And he rested to enjoy the beauty that he created. So we're going to look at how this gift of beauty can be a real gift to our souls tonight and with different, different ways. So let's have a look at the next slide, if you, if you will, please, Matt. Um, there is arts all the way through the Bible. I find this really exciting. As somebody who's a little bit arty, not massively arty, but a little bit arty, um, there is artists and artistry all the way through the Bible, which tells me that God is artistic. God is creative. God cares about things. God doesn't just want us to live in a box. He, 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 he made all these wonderful things. So we can see in Exodus, Exodus, this is a person that was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and able to, um, to make beautiful architecture. He was a craftsman. So Baz I can't remember how we actually say that. Bezalel. Okay, so Bezalel was filled with the Spirit and he was a skilled craftsman and he was used to build the tabernacle, build the temple where God lived. So he made ornate, amazing things. It melted down gold and silver and it made this amazing thing. So the temple wasn't just, a, you know, a, a very ordinary box like a caravan. It was absolutely fantastic. And we only have to look at some of the cathedrals. We were in a really beautiful cathedral um, over Christmas and the 
architecture was beautiful. Everything was made to point towards God. There was a spire, there was beautiful windows, and even the acoustics in uh, in a church are made for the sound to be beautiful, to bring glory back to God. So, and, and in Chronicles, it tells us about some skilled musicians, skilled singers. So God cares about skilled musicians and singers. In the Song of Songs, we see that God is poetic. He didn't just write in one way in the Bible. All the books of the Bible, there's history books, there is uh, picture books, there's, there's poetry books, there's prophet books. It's all a collection, but we see poetry in the Song of Songs. And in the Psalms, we see songs. So God is, uh, you know, expresses in songs as well. Imagery of natural beauty giving glory to God. We see in, in many of the Psalms, you know, that, that creation gives glory to God. And then Jesus um, taught in parables. Jesus didn't just tell it as it was. He, he, he built a picture in people's minds to communicate. So great storytelling. It was a beautiful way of communicating the truth. And Jesus was a master at this. He was so good at it. And then Revelation, we see the book of Revelation. It's a picture language of, of the end of the age and when Jesus is going to return. A powerful uh, visual image. So there is there is arts, there is beauty, both natural and created, that is used all the way through the Bible. So, the first point that we're going to look at that Brett McCracken is talk, talks about is that beauty bears witness to God. So, we see this verse out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. So, first of all, I'm going to ask Maddie and, and Flora just to comment really on, on, on what it was like in, in that ch chapter about bearing witness to God. So, if yeah, you go, so, Maddie. Um, in the part I read, it was all about how, as a society, we just over-consume. We take in so much through day-to-day -day of social media, jobs, family, things that we enjoy to do, just consume, 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 and how that can almost be visual noise, and it's just an abundance of visual noise in our head, and that numbs our senses so much because we can't process and analyse and evaluate those things and how important it is to look at art and film and photography because we find those so beautiful because of how concentrated that is. They look at an angle or a piece of such a bigger scale of a sunset or we all know we love a, a picture of a sunset. Um, but we love that because you can't see all the other bits and there's too much to see. It numbs our senses and so it concentrates on that one angle or that one scene and we can take in the, the actual beauty of it and the pure beauty of it. Okay. Yeah, so following on from that, beauty isn't just, shouldn't just be noise. If you're really taking beauty fully in, it should take you into awe, like consume almost all of you. And I think that really bears witness to God because when you really are in God's presence, when you're seeing God's beauty, like that all of you is going to be invested and present in that moment in the same way that we're mentioning with sunsets or nature or, f or music like to be really in it fully to really contribute almost the whole moment to it really bears witness to God and it's not just a half-hearted thing um yeah and then also like how do you do that with wisdom how do you not let that become an idol that was another problem that we talked about like mm -hmm. 
duty can so easily become an idol if not bearing witness to God. And I know for me, music is a big thing. <laughs> not that I'm musical, but I just love listening to it. I think um, on Spotify, I was in the top 0.5% of listeners for Spotify for the year. And I listen to it all the time. And it's like more noise than beauty. Like it's just in the background. And that's something that can really bear witness for God. But I've almost idolized it. And now it's becoming noise or distraction. Or not always God glorifying either. And I know, for an example, when I came back from Mexico a couple, like a month ago now, I really felt challenged to only listen to worship music on the plane back. Because I could have put on all these amazing, beautiful, but like sad songs cried my eyes out on the way back, but I was like, no, okay, I, how can I like, use this beauty, use this music, and actually bear witness to God by praising for what he's done, for what he's doing, for what he's going to do, um, yeah, and just kind of seeing a different perspective, it really allows you to have God's perspective and other things kind of fade away. Yeah, so, so beauty can bear witness to God, um, but it also can distract us uh, from God as well. So it, it can become an idol, and that's probably why it's somewhere in the middle of, of that um, wisdom triangle. I have forgotten, um, I, I, after the slide about God being creator, I thought we'd give some opportunity for some creations. So uh, we, um, we've got three easels here, and we thought the three pastors could, whilst we are speaking... <laughs> Do a lovely little painting. Uh, you're not going to be judged. Oh, it's not the watercolour challenge. We, we have acrylic paint, so we've got... You can come and grab them. Pastor Paul, come on. Grab a brush. You've all got the same colours. You've all got the same colours, water, and you've just got some... Um, thing. And We don't want you to feel any pressure about what to do. No pressure. We're all watching, and you will be judged at the end. Okay. So... Um, You've all got the same colours, but what I love about painting... You might have to pick it up that way. That's it. What I love about painting is you can give people the same brushes, the same colours, and you'll get completely different pictures. Now, we'll see what we get here. Because <laughs> I know they're not painters. They'll be, they'll be wishing. <laughs> Jeff's going to give me evils all night now. Okay, so... Just enjoy, don't let it distract you, but just kind of enjoy doodling. And we'll have a look at them at the end, but honestly, there'll be no judgment at all. Uh, so God's a creative God, and he's made us creative. So even if you don't think you are, I'm sure your pictures will be lovely. Okay, so beauty bears a witness to God. So could you put up the next slide for us, um, please? Matt. Oh. Is it there? Okay. Here we go. The reason I, I think God's a creative God, uh, well, he is a creative God, but I think the arts, the beauty around us can, can get a truth from our head right down into our hearts. Do you know, God's made us emotional people. We don't need to be ruled by our emotions. That wouldn't be a good thing. But to ignore them would be an equally bad thing. God has made us with all these senses, our vision, our hearing, touch, smell, taste. 
the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So that means he wants us to experience him. And I think the arts, I think beautiful music, beautiful painting, architecture, whatever, can, can, um, can teach us things that just talking about it can't. And also it's first hand. So I, I really think that's probably why Jesus used parables so much. It connected with people's heart. They understood it and it connected with their hearts. Even um, many stories in the Bible that, um, that show this connection and this storytelling that helps us to understand in a deeper level um, so I've asked Maddie and Flora just to talk a little bit about what kind of things they, they find beautiful or, or they, they practice, things that help them to get things from their head to their, to their heart. What moves, what moves you, Maddie? Um, yeah, so I firstly just want to start by saying um, there's going to be a few people here who hear creativity and just shut off because they're like, I'm not creative at all. Um, and I am the exact same. I used to think I was boring and couldn't do anything. I had a twin brother who could do everything. He could do sports, music, the whole shebang, and I just couldn't do any of it. Um, but through, yeah, just growing up and learning more about my, myself and God, um, I learned that all of us are creative, and God is the master creator. He created the world. He you know, in Genesis, the heavens and the earth, and we are made in the image of him, so of course we are all creative as well. Um, And so I learned my creative flair, if you will, was through writing. I've always loved English and reading. I was a right little book nerd um, growing up and still am. And I got the opportunity to write for a Christian blog um, from one of my best friends called Every Season Counts, which is a blog for young women and girls, just to empower them, give them advice, um, because growing up in yeah, today's society as a Christian can be very hard. And yeah, so we just give advice, talk about the Bible. Um, yeah, and I always thought that that would be me teaching them, but that also taught me so much because it taught me that I used writing to process my emotions and used creativity to process how I was feeling in the seasons that I went through. And if you went through my blogs on um, the website, you can see where I've been through my life. And there's blogs on loneliness and <clears throat> singleness and, yeah, everything that I've gone through in the last couple of years, you can see it on there. And I think one thing about creativity as well is that it's you can... People think it's like a performative thing where actually it can be a thing just between you and God. And I've been trying to practice that quite a lot recently. And I've done that through poetry, which I kept very quiet before (laughs) tonight. Um, But I write a lot of poetry now. And it's how I take things from my head and process them and just sort of lay them out for God to see. And I read a book called, uh, it's a devotional called Loved by Hills Grew. And it talks in that about how our hearts are the residing place of God and how he, that's where he lives and how, why we should guard our hearts. It says in Proverbs yeah, 4.23 to guard your heart and that's because that's where God lives. Um, and so I think creativity is such a gateway into that, into taking things from, oh, I personally find, taking it from my head and just using creativity to give that to God, to hand it off to God in my heart. Um, and yeah. 
That's great, Maddie. And also you say you journal as well, don't you? I know a lot yeah. of people do. So can you say a little bit about that? I think that's really helpful. Yeah, so journaling is putting it in like a not very pretty way. It's pretty much just like word vomiting onto a page and it's just taking everything that's going on in here and just writing it all down. And if you looked in my journal, you wouldn't be able to read it. It's so messy, just rambling, rambling on. But it allows you to rationalise things and realise how caught up you are in your head and also obviously joyous things and happy things. But I particularly find it great when I just get so in my head and overwhelmed about things. Um, and again, yeah, it's just a really good way of being creative to, yeah, bring the kingdom to God and just lay it out into God's hands. So, yeah, that's lovely. So that's that's really great. So poetry just between you and God, that's lovely, lovely, lovely. Okay, so we're going to go on now to just some a contrast and a tension, and, and I'm going to show you a couple of pictures in a minute as well. So if we just go to the to the next slide, I'm going to read you some little bits from the book in a minute, but have you ever thought what actually makes something beautiful? What makes a beautiful face? What makes a beautiful work of art? What makes a beautiful piece of music? Sometimes it's really hard to quantify, but what you often find is contrast. And contrast, when, when we think about contrast, um, McCracken writes this, and I thought this was lovely in his book. He says, we see this contrast in creation, a series of pairs, dark and light, morning and evening, waters above and below, land and sea, and finally male and female. We see the union of marriage to be a picture of the church. God's story begins with a wedding in Eden and one in Revelation, a book full of contrasting pairs, God and his bride, heaven and earth, and the climatic clash of good and evil. The contrast of good and evil speaks to another fundamental element of beauty, closely linked to contrast, is tension. In a symphony or any other great piece of music, Jeff talked about it, uh, about the chords that don't end, those dissonant chords that say, it's not right yet, it hasn't been resolved. And McCracken said that we have this tension in between our existence. We live in the space between the pain of Good Friday and the triumph of uh, Easter Sunday. So we all have lives, don't we, that go up and down. None of us get away with pain. None of us have a life void of pain. And McCracken says that we suffer, but we have hope. And this is this contrast and tension that can make things beautiful. And he says, if beauty can make us more aware of this tension, then it helps make us wise. And I think it makes us more empathetic as well. This contrast and tension that makes something beautiful. I'm just going to show you a couple of pictures. Um, if you can stick the first one up, please, Matt. Sometimes we see pictures that just are beautiful. You just, oh, that's gorgeous, that's lovely. And, and this painter, George Surratt, I remember um, doing a piece of work about him when I was doing A-level art. And this is called A Sunday on the Grand Jatte. I don't know how to pronounce that, Jeff would know. Um, a French painter. And he made huge paintings. They look beautiful. But if you actually took a section of them, you would see that he painted, not in brush strokes, but just in tiny points. He invented a thing called pointillism. 
So the brush was just, he just put direct colour. He didn't mix the colour on the palette like these fabulous artists are doing. He got, he got a piece of, uh, of colour and he put it on the canvas and he left space around it so that your eyes would naturally blend the colour. So clever, but it only works when you stand back and see this beautiful picture. So something that could look so chaotic in a tiny scheme of things, in a tiny bit, when you see the big picture, you get this beautiful picture, observational picture. And then I'm going to show you another artist now. You'll all have heard of, of Van Gogh. Now, Van Gogh, I, love, I loved his work, but he loved drawing really ordinary, battered things. He saw beauty in the ordinary, and this is the tension. We can see a beautiful sunset, but also there is beauty to be found in the most ordinary of objects. And these boots, um, story goes that he, he found these boots in a market, and he didn't think they were broken and battered enough, so he wore them many times, and he wore them through mud to get them really worn. And he found something beautiful about just people. He observed people. And, and if you just put the slide up um, for me, Matt, this is a lovely, lovely quote um, that you can read. But I'll, I'll just actually, I'll just read it um, to you. Were you going to read it? I don't know. No, I'll read it to you. In a letter to his brother, Brother Theo, Van Gogh said, it is good to love as many things as I can. I see paintings or drawings in the poorest cottages, in the dirtiest corners, and my mind is driven towards these things with an irresistible momentum. Poetry surrounds us everywhere, but putting it on paper is, alas, not so easy as looking at it. I dream my painting, and then I paint my dream. To be spiritual is to have an abiding respect for the great mysteries of life and to see the fingerprints of the divine in the most ordinary objects and things. The fingerprints of the divine we can see in the most ordinary of things. So I've asked Jenny, um, because Jenny makes the most beautiful jewellery, but um, I saw on a, a blog post or something, something she wrote, so I've asked her just to come and share uh, about this. Yeah, uh, you can come up or wherever, it's fine. Hi. Um, I loved what you all said. And if I was laughing, I wasn't laughing at you. Um, I do, honestly, the best thing, somebody, one of the best things somebody told me once is that we are all creative. Because yeah. I can't draw to save my life, so I thought I wasn't creative. She said, no, you are. We are all creative. And Jeff is also creative, but not in painting. <laughs> so I wasn't laughing at you. Um, no, but um, so what, I, um, what Rachel asked me to talk about is... Um, is, is about finding beauty in the ordinary things. So I find it amazing how God takes like bad things and um, makes them beautiful. So if you um, look at this glass, can you see it, everybody? So it, it's a bit of a broken jar, and um, it's actually quite dangerous if, if you, know, you could cut yourself and it, it wouldn't be very good for you. Um, but this glass, if it's thrown into the sea, and it gets um, thrown about the waves for, for a long time, and it rubs against other rocks and against the sand, and then it gets washed up back onto the shore, and, and you pick it up, and it actually um, looks uh, something like this. So, sorry, this, 
it is small, so, but it, it looks quite different. It's the same glass, but because it's been subjected to a lot of friction and a lot of being buffeted about and a lot of trouble and a lot of not nice things, it actually becomes quite smooth and um, you, you won't cut yourself anymore. Um, it, it turns almost a different color and it's just something that I think is a thing of beauty. And uh, once Jeff and I were walking along a beach in St. Ives, St. Ives is lovely, isn't it? and we just looked down and there was this pile of sea glass, that's that, the glass that has been buffeted by the waves, just lying there. Somebody had obviously collected it uh, and left it, so, so we gathered it up and then I, I made a ring out of one piece. So it's just um, a reminder for me, and, um, and this necklace is made of sea glass as well, so it's just a reminder of me that, for me that even, um, even things that are dangerous and, and not good and not nice. God can turn them into something totally beautiful, something yeah. that brings you comfort, uh, that rubs off your edges and brings healing instead of hurt. Lovely. That's great. Thank you. So we're, we're, we're coming towards um, the end, um, but... I love this idea that beauty is a gift um, that silences us and helps us to rest. Um, I'm going to get Maddie and Flora to read a slide in a moment, but I remember, I remember uh, going to the Grand Canyon um, when the children were small and we parked at the top of the canyon. You can't see it from the car park. And there was lots of people there. And I almost had this dread that I was going to be disappointed. You know, when you've hyped up for something, you think, oh, it's not going to be as great as I thought it was. And I thought I was going to be disappointed. And I couldn't see the canyon. And I'd seen pictures of it. You know, I knew what it was going to look like. But nothing prepared me for when I walked to the edge of the canyon. And, and it just spread out before my eyes and it was a moment where I literally was speechless I was silenced I was breathless I was like awestruck completely awestruck at the beauty of the place I had no words it didn't have any meaning other than it was beautiful and I felt so small on this planet and in that moment I knew God was so big and beauty can just arrest us. It can change our, uh, our emotions. It, it silences us. And it's a gift to our souls. So Flora and Maddie, would you read? Because this is a really lovely part of the book. Pete Scazzaro has written some great things about rest and Sabbath. And, and if you're wanting to know more about that, he, he's written some great stuff about that. So if, if you... Um, Read this out to us, please. Okay, so it says, The essence of being in God's image is our ability. Like God, too. To stop, we imitate God by stopping our work and resting. Maddie, you read the next yeah, one. Yeah, so um, Brett McCracken says, This is so countercultural in, in a digital world where every moment can be optimised for pr productivity. The biblical notion of Sabbath challenges this mindset because it calls us to build the doing of nothing into our schedules each week. By the world standard, it is inefficient, unproduct unproductive and useless. Beauty and Sabbath go hand in hand. Both are extravagant, unproductive, unnecessary. 
Both are reflections of God's abundance and reminders that the world is chiefly a gift to receive, not a prize to be earned. Isn't that lovely? The world is chiefly a gift to receive, not a prize to be earned. That sounds like our God, doesn't it? The grace of God giving us this gift of beautiful things for us to wonder at, to draw our attention to, to give us rest, to stop us, to still us, to bring us into rest. So, and the last uh, bit before I play you a little something um, is beauty can cause us to worship. So um, I'd like Flora, Flora's going to just give us a couple of thoughts about this, beauty and worship. So Okay, so bear with me for a second and picture the wisdom pyramid that we've all been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And yeah, obviously that's going to be filled with lots of different influences in order to bring out our wisdom. And it's going to be influenced by something like you can't, that's uncontrolled. Every waking hour, you're going to be influenced by something. But in terms of beauty, how, how does that lead us to worship? And how is that a good influence? So it's going to be a bit of a spiral, but bear with me. <laughs> so if you see the truth of God's beauty, your natural response will be true worship. And I want to go off a story in Exodus 33, um, going over to Exodus 34, where it talks about Moses. Um, he's speaking with God and... He's basically like saying, like, God, can you show me you in all of your glory? And God replies and he says he's going to pass through all of his goodness. And I did a little word study on goodness. And it's basically, it can be interchangeable as well with beauty. So God showed all of his beauty, all of his goodness, his, his character in front of Moses. And you can later on see that his response to all of that was worship. He bowed down and he worshipped. And he like said he got as low as to the ground that he could. Um, and it was almost something that was natural. Like he saw the beauty, and it wasn't something that we kind of needed to strive to do. But he wanted to. He wanted to respond in worship. And then again, if you read on later to the story, you can see that his uh, Moses' face is shining um, through spending this time with God. And he only like he wears a veil, and then he undoes the veil when he's in the presence of God. And I just think it was so interesting because not only is worshipping a natural response, but like becoming like the person that you worship. The more that you're worshipping someone, the more that you're being influenced by God's beauty, the more you're going to adopt that and look like that and kind of, yeah, be able to like obtain the characteristics that God has. Um, and I think that's such a crucial part in our little wisdom pyramid to obtain, and especially in this part of beauty. So how are we actually not only being influenced by beauty in every day, but how is that one bearing witness to God and all of these other things, how is it not just staying in your head but going to your heart and how are we are letting that to lead us to worship, which leads us to representing, 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 representing God and, and it is his image and really because part of God's character is wisdom as well, so we're really able to adopt his wisdom too. And then secondly, um, worship in itself is beautiful, like worship in itself is something that I think represents beauty. Um, like I, I always have this picture of like a father and children, right? And actually, if we're being in God's image and we're in his likeness, even just the fact of us recreating or us writing poetry or doing music, I think that's like moves God's heart as a father and us just simply enjoying the gifts that he's give, given us, not idolizing them, 
but enjoying them and being with him, being like him, being in good relationship with people and with him, like I think that's one, beautiful, and it's also worship in itself. And I think it's not always just um, raising, like raising your hands and singing songs, but really just living the lifestyle and enjoying, enjoying it as well. Like really enjoying the gifts that gives, God gives you. Um, yeah, it's like a simple truth, but when taken like with weight, I think it's really, really powerful. That's yeah. lovely. Thank you, Flora. And I think, I think beautiful things bear witness to God and can draw people to Jesus. Um, we heard a great sermon this morning um, about how Jesus, holiness, God is holy, but it attracts sinful, broken people. And, and great art, great music, great beauty bears witness to Jesus. And I think we can, people can be moved towards Christ by beauty. Um, there's been some, there's a, a great testimony on, on YouTube about a, a Japanese painter who came to know Jesus because of, because of beauty, beauty and art. Um, I haven't got time to play you uh, tonight, but I, I can uh, put, put, a, put a link to some of you if you want to hear that. But, but I do believe music, art moves us and, and, and it can help us uh, know God. Um, Handel, I can't find the, the quote about Handel, but he, he, wrote, he wrote his Messiah. And um, here it is. Handel wrote, uh, wrote the Messiah in just 24 days. Can you imagine that? Um, he, and the Hallelujah Chorus. Um, apparently his servant walked in on Handel when he was writing the Hallelujah Chorus and discovered him in tears in his eyes. And Handel exclaimed, I did think I see all heaven before me and the great God himself seated on the throne with his company of angels. Just the beauty of the music pointed to Jesus. And there's a piece of music that is not Christian in any shape or form, which we're just going to play quietly in closing for a couple of minutes before we worship again. And um, it's by a band called Sigur Ross, and it's called Hoppy Poller. They're an Icelandic band, and it literally means jumping into puddles. All right? <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. But whenever they've they played it on planet Earth, it's been in some films... It's just a moving piece of music, and I don't know why. can't put my finger on it. But when I was getting it on YouTube, um, I want to show you some of the comments that people that I presume are not of faith, are not Christians, put. So this just shows us the power of music, the power of beautiful things, the power of art. So just before I play it, I'm going to share with you these... Um, these quotes that people had written. And then we're just going to listen quietly and then we're going to go into uh, some worship. So, this is from a girl called Zoe. Every time I listen to this song, I feel something I could never describe. It makes me appreciate life and everything it has to offer. I'm only 17, but I feel the pressures of adulthood already. Thank you, Sigur Ross for making something beautiful. Sigur Ross has an absolute incredible ability to refresh my soul. No matter what I am going through, their music is a gift to the spirit. 
This is one of those rare one in a million tracks that can give you goosebumps and you don't even know why. This is the sound of heaven. Let's just listen for a moment. the worship band to come up and as as they do I think it'd be really nice just to have a look at some paintings that have been done by the pastors Paul come on up oh it's very bright it's lovely let's give him a clap that's amazing hey that's great okay let's have a look Hey, that's pretty good. An artist in the making. Now, here's the big one, Jeff. How have you done? Hey, that's great. It looks like an impressionist painting. Love it. So, we want to encourage you. To, to find the beauty in, uh, in the ordinary things this week. We've got a challenge for you. And it'd be really nice, actually, where have the girls gone? They've gone, sorry. <laughs> we're going to give you a challenge, and then we're going we're gonna to worship God. Remember, God's given us beauty so that we can praise him. He's made us creative. He's made us um, able to create, but he's, he's made us... Uh, able just to enjoy it as a gift so this week so Maddie what's your we've got four challenges each of us have got a challenge this week and then we're going to worship um yeah so my challenge is for you guys to really hone in on your creativity um if you don't think you're creative I would love to challenge that um and I would just really yeah take some time to learn how you're going to take things from your head to your heart and just yeah allow God to take those through your creative yeah, flares, whatever you want to do. And yeah, just let us know how it, you get on with it. And yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then mine is basically how do you allow to see beauty and like let it fully sink in. So I know I kind of have a issue of taking photos of like every sunset or every cute dog or every like coffee that I have in a cafe. But how can I just sit and enjoy the moment and not take a photo of it? So I'm, this week I'm going to try and not take a photo when I feel the urge to not cut off the beautiful moment. <laughs> okay. Um, and my challenge was to look for beauty in the ordinary. So whether it's an old pair of boots, I have to say, I was listening to Pastor Dave Beresford preaching last week and looking at the, the beauty of our feet and how good. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just thought, we, every day we do things and actually we can get so numb to them, but even just washing up and thinking about the beauty of hot water, there's beauty in the ordinary. So my challenge is find something which you do every day, something which is ordinary, but find some beauty in it because there's beauty everywhere. Okay, and mine, I went to St. Ives this week and I had such fun just going around little art galleries, seeing other people's perspective on, on, with, with painting. So if you've never been and just gone down the Barbican and had a look at some nice pictures, maybe do that. Or if you've never listened to classical music, have a listen and just open your eyes. I'm going to do something for five, ten minutes and just look at something beautiful. Be intentional about building it into your lives. Putting the phone down. Don't look at it secondhand, but firsthand experience. Uh, put yourself in a place where you can experience some beauty this week, whether it's a beautiful church, uh, an art gallery, music, whatever. But would you stand with us? We're going we're gonna to worship God. And, and what a better place to... to to stop. <laughs> it's that uh, we're singing how great how great thou art.